Everybody say, I always win. Why do you always win? Because he always causes, he always causes you to triumph. So anytime you go to resist or some fight the devil, so to speak, and you can see that there is a fight, it's the fight of faith, but you have to start from the point of victory. If you start from I'm trying to get something done or this is just a hard thing that I'm going through, I want you to know tonight that at the end, I'm, I believe the Lord's given me something to speak over you, to minister, especially to a few of you, things that are going on in your life. I'm very excited about tonight, and I would just like to jump to it. But I can't just jump to it because i got to get you some word. Um, I can get up and flow, but when, you, when the word of God is what you need after we're done, and so you need to know this. So uh, is everybody all right in the room tonight? Y'all good? Okay. And so uh, remember this. In Ephesians chapter 1, we see that Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost, was raised up. And so just because I don't want to assume everybody knows it, but Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, when he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand. So Jesus lives in us, but, but really he is seated somewhere, and he is seated in heaven. Father God has the throne, but Jesus is seated right next to him. And he is sitting down. Everybody say, he's seated. When he's seated means it is finished. Remember on the cross, the last thing he said was, it is finished. The work is done. He won, he won the victory. He put his blood on the mercy seat, and then he sat down. On the, when he rose up from the grave, he put his blood on the mercy seat, and he sat down. Everybody say, he's seated. And what is he seated far above? Well, let's look on. It says, and he's seated what? Far above all, verse 20. Verse 20 says he's seated far above all principality. Uh, uh, okay, verse 21 then, hallelujah. Verse 21 says he's seated far above all. Everybody say all. So anything the devil ever tries to do to you, I don't care if it's a principality. I don't care if it's a little demon. I don't care if it's a big demon. It doesn't matter if it's sickness, if it's disease, if it's poverty, if it's confusion. Any and all works of the devil. Any depression, um, uh, 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 I don't know, just anything you can think of that's not good has its source and its root in the devil. And just because you are depressed doesn't mean you got a demon. Just because you're sick doesn't mean you got a demon. But everything like that, Jesus said that I've come to bring you life and the devil's come to steal, kill, or destroy. So anything that tries to steal out of your life, anything that tries to destroy you and your life or your family or your business or your career, anything that does any of those three things, steal, kill, or destroy, is always, 100% of the time, always, always, always from the devil. Because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Amen. God and the devil, and the, the, God and the devil are not on the same team. The, the Lord doesn't send, God does, the Father doesn't send the devil to do work for him. He's not, out, he's not a mercenary for hire for God. He's been defeated. He's a defeated foe. And Jesus is what? Seated. Everybody say he's seated. Far above what? All. So anything the devil, Jesus is, aren't you glad Jesus won the victory? He's far above every principality, power, might, and dominion, every name. So if they name it, guess what? He's above it. You know how everybody loves naming things. He's above it. Not only that's in this world, so everything in this world that comes from the devil, Jesus has defeated it and he's seated above it. How many things? Everything. Now, the good news, that's great news, but the greater gooder news is this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, and it says, and we were raised up together with him. Because, see, I used to do it, and sometimes I get into it. Um, uh, uh, sometimes when you get under pressure, I was under uh, some pressure first service. I did something that I don't normally do. Um, um, I'm going to talk to first service, but how many of you are first servicers? I'll give you a pre-apology. I never really talk about money and amounts. And I was under the pressure of something. And on the way back, the Lord <laughs> dealt with me. He said, was that faith? And I said, I think it was pressure. 
and he didn't say anything. But I didn't repeat it again, so I apologize because I don't, like do, I don't do that. And the Lord keeps me on a short string with that. Let him keep you on a short string with things. Because I ain't starting that. Some of you have been around a long time. You know I don't do that. A lot of people, someone on my staff, they're close. They said, that's that's unusual. That was pressure. We all get there. I was fighting upward. I just live this in front of you all. I live this in front of you. When I make a mistake or when I'm struggling, I talk about it. I know a lot of of faith pastors don't. But I, I think that a lot of times people give the implication they never go through anything, which is a bunch of baloney. They put on their pants just like we do. But if you're ever fighting up, you're not seated. So I had to sit down in between services. I don't mean in a chair back there. I meant back in my place. And just to let you know, all, it all came in. And so anyway, it all, all's good. It's all good. So, but, but if you don't get this, if you don't learn how to sit down, you're going to be fighting the devil upward and you're no match for him. Even if you have word. Because you're not using the word in faith. You're probably repeating something you heard somebody else say. Anytime you're fighting up at the devil, you're from the wrong place. You've got to sit down. Because that's where the devil is underneath. You remember that charismatic song we sing? He's under my feet. Right? He's under my feet. Right? Where is he at? You can tell if the devil's under your feet by how you talk, by what you feel, by how you make everybody else around you feel. But I had to start here. And the Lord gave me something. I've been messing with it all afternoon, afternoon prayer. He, he was, how important it is for parents uh, to teach your children in the hour that we live in. It is, how many know it's always been important to teach your children that the devil is defeated, he's your enemy. Every uh, good thing comes from God, every bad thing. Now, we try to do this in children's church, and I know what Robert ministers to them, but you as parents, you've got to enforce this. And so I'm going to give you a testimony of something because it's been rolling around, and I don't think I can get on to anything else unless I do this, but I need the parents in the room, especially of teenagers, to hear me. And even if they're not in the room, this will be on tape because they need to hear me. Um, because a lot of times, and this is true, how many know as parents, we have, we have authority in our children's lives? And a lot of times, really, for a long time, you can just 100% carry them. I don't know if you understand that about your authority. And that's what we're talking about, uh, w- winning uh, with our armor on. And so as someone, as a parent who is fully clothed, knowing your rights and privileges in God, you can carry your children. But be careful not just to carry them, you have to teach them. Because there will be a day, there will be a day that you can no longer carry them. Especially if they got raised in this church. And in your home. So, well, we shouldn't just get the word. No, there's no way. The devil's looking to destroy anybody. Our children and our teenagers have the, the ability to walk in 100% victory. So I remember this, this happened to someone in our church. And I don't want you to try to think of the name. It was a number of years ago. Most of you would never, uh, you don't know this person. And so um, they got very, very ill. Very, very ill. And um, uh, I'll never forget it. Um, I went to the hospital and the mom and dad and the, and the it, either late teenager, early 20s. I can't remember. It's been a long time ago. And uh, it, was, it was looking pretty bad. And uh, I remember uh, this, uh, I, we'll just call her a teenager. This teenager, um, as we were praying, they began to prophesy about their condition. And I think if it goes like this, again, it's been a while, so I don't know if I'll get it word for word. But this, they, this teenager said, it's going to look bad, but I'm going to come through. Prophesied to themselves. So this is what it tells me. Um, the mom and dad and uh, me and Pastor Rhonda and, and everybody, we, we believed God. But what it taught me was that that teenager was taught the word. They had a relationship with God. 
And it wasn't just, I don't know at that time if their parents or we could have, would have been, I believe we could have, and, and, and we did pray, we, you know, but, but I just had this on my heart and I can't get away from it until I share. You have got to train your children. You've got to train them, especially in the hour we live in. And some of you might say, well, I did train them and it didn't turn out well. It's on the inside of them. And if they try to run away from it, when they get in trouble, it will, it, you, you, you'll be shocked and surprised how fast they can get back to Jesus and start using the word they know. But I remember this. This was, a, this was a quite a long ordeal, and this teenager went into a coma. And it looked really bad. And the Lord helped out. I remember I told the parents I had something in my heart about what hospital they needed to get to. And um, they did it, and it was very inconvenient. But I think it helped. Um, but they believed God, we believed God. But I think it was the teenager's words. But those teenagers, that teenager would have not had those words if mom and dad had not taught them. Not just the church. We have them for an hour and a half, three hours tops in a week. I, just, I could not, I, I wouldn't be able to sleep tonight unless I told you this. I got to sleep. I got too much to do to be awake all night and hear the Lord told me, I told you to tell him and you didn't. You got to train them. Because when it comes, and maybe your child is a six-year-old and you can carry him for a while, but you need to start putting them in there now. You need to put the word in them now. They need to see you live this. They need to see you speak this. And when they get in trouble, I think as parents, we'll be, you'll, be able, you'll have some limited authority all the days of their life because God created family. And we can pray for people, but you have got to get, uh, I'll never, it, it marked me. And I, and I don't like to, I, I don't remember it, I don't think about it very often, but when the Lord, like all day long, he's just making me think about it. But I'll never forget when that teenager began to prophesy. And I think the words were, it'll get worse, it'll look worse, but I'm going to come through this. And they did. And they did. But that was training. I hope we had something to do with it. I think we did, but I'm just, and I'm not setting the parents up, and I'm not going to tell you who they are. And don't be thinking, I wonder who that is, because that's not the point. The point is you're in the room, and the Lord told me to tell you that tonight. So somebody needs to get about it. And it's never too late. Somebody needs to get about it. And it's never too late. And don't just take the assumption. You, I, I believe we're, our, our children's pastors, our youth pastors are great. But you're the mom and the dad. And you need to speak it into them. And I'll just encourage the moms and dads who've done it. And maybe it doesn't look like it took. It took. Because otherwise God's a liar. He said, if you'll train them in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart. It's either true or he lied, and he's not a liar. So it's true no matter what it looks like. So quit talking contrary to what it looks like. And even if they get in your face and say, I'm not serving God, I don't believe in your God, you just say, well, the will of the Lord be done. And the will of the Lord is you will serve God. You don't have to preach to them. You don't have to confront them. You just say the will of the Lord will be done or all is well. Say something peppy and fun or whatever. Just give them some scripture, smile and walk around and pat them on the head. Or, you know, we got you. You know, I don't know. Do something. Is everybody good? All right. Well, now I can get back to my sermon. It probably wasn't you. It was me uh, because I felt like I needed to. Uh, what is that? That's kind of a, a warning, but an exhortation. Um, it's, uh, it's important. Um, and and uh, Pastor Mark, do you think something's bad's going to happen to nobody? I, I, don't, I don't think that. And that's not my first place it goes to. My place that it goes to is um, God's given you an advance warning. And if you do what he says, you may never encounter anything. It's just when warnings are ignored that you can fall off a cliff. Amen? <laughs> we were in Hawaii. I'm going to tell a story. 
We were in Hawaii, and uh, we were in a, a Jeep. And we, and, we, and we were going through uh, a four-wheel Jeep, and I was feeling very manly and everything. And we were, we were you know, going through this thing, and there were ruts, and we were headed to a certain place, but this, we were not on a road. And so it was me, Pastor Rhonda, and Destiny. And um, I was really starting to get very uneasy. And I was really, I mean, it was like three miles an hour, and it was, ugh, it was awful. And Pastor Rhonda got to the place where I think she was getting frustrated with me, and we were at a place, and we weren't hardly going anywhere. And she just said, punch it. And normally when it comes to what, we're going up a hill, and she said, punch it. And normally um, I obey her. I can't honestly say I had an unction, but I kind of remember I had an unction not to punch it. And then when we finally got up the hill, where I would have punched it and went over was a cliff. It was a cliff. So I've never let her forget that. But um, because she's, I ask her a lot of times, how does it feel to always be right? And so that was, you know, so I have one or two things that she was not right on. And so I remember them. But I'm just telling you, I think there's a cliff sump coming. And it may be three, four, five years down the road. But you can avoid it. Enough. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's just pick up here. Verse 15. Because we already talked about loins girt, breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I want you all to get ready in the room tonight, because at the very end, the Lord has asked me and told me to speak to the storms in your life. Whatever's going on with you, and especially there's some things uh, swirling around in your life like a storm that he's asked us, to, we're going to do it together. We're going to speak to him and I believe peace is going to come. So we're going to talk about uh, that you have your, your feeder shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Everybody say gospel of peace. So gospel is good news, but it's the good news of peace. And so peace is a weapon. Now, uh, the weapons are usually defensive or offensive. And I believe personally, this weapon is both offensive and defensive. You have to understand that uh, the Apostle Paul is looking at a Roman soldier. So if you see a Roman soldier dress, their shoes, um, they had uh, uh, knee-high boots, basically. And so they had these uh, uh, things that would protect their uh, shins and uh, this was elaborate uh, equipment that they had on. So the shoes were just as important as any other part of it. So these shoes were in two parts. So one part was defensive to protect them because if you get, you know, your lower part below your knee, if you get it cut, if you break it, if you do anything, there's no more marching for you and you're a sitting duck. So getting protection of your legs so that you could motivate, uh, you know, no matter what was very important. And then on the bottom of those shoes, these are killer shoes because on the bottom of these shoes were spikes. So on the bottom of these spiked shoes, these spikes were to do what? They were to hold them uh, in mountainous terrain and also, don't mean to gross anybody out, but also they would use them to finish off the enemy. So when they were in a sword fight, when something going on, and when the enemy was down, they would use these shoes to finish them off. Now, that's important to know because that's, and the Lord knew that, and that's why he gave, because why would shoes be important for armor? Why are shoes even mentioned? Because you wouldn't think that's a big deal, but shoes to God was very important. And so these shoes are in two pieces. So I like to talk about it this way. And some of you have heard me talk about it before, but shoes in two pieces means there's two kinds of peace that are very important to you right now in order for you to win the victories over the enemy and anything he brings your way. So first of all, you've got to know you have peace with God. Right? You got to have peace with God. And you've heard me talk about this before, but, I, I, but I, I like it this way. I remember back in the olden days when someone would die before they would die, they would ask them, have you made your peace with God? Have you ever heard anyone say that? Have you made your peace with God? What are they talking about? Have you and God got everything settled? Because if you don't, if you haven't made peace with God, you're not born again. 
and then you're not going to heaven. Have you made your peace with God? Everybody needs to make peace with God. Now, understanding this, though, a lot of times um, people think God is angry, that God is against them, but how many know that cannot be true because he's a good God? Uh, he's a loving God. He, he's kind. He's wonderful. And he has this peace to offer. And Jesus came so that you could have peace with him. All right? So let's look at this. Um, uh, let's look at this. Let's look at um, Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. So they don't have my notes up there. So that might take them a while to get it on the screen. But Ephesians 2, 14. Or then I said that and right there it is. For he is our peace. Everybody say, God is my peace. Jesus is my peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall partition between us. So maybe you didn't know it or not, but because of the sin of mankind, there was a wall of partition. No one could get to God. No one could get to God. Because of sin, there was a wall. And Jesus broke down the wall. That's why the, the veil in the Holy of Holies, what was on the earth, the replica, there was a veil. And when Jesus gave up the ghost, the Bible says that veil was rent in twain. Now, either two angels grabbed a hold of it or, or somebody grabbed a hold of it. And because and, it wasn't just this little sheer curtain, this was a big, big deal curtain. And it was ripped from top to bottom. So no one did it from the bottom. Somebody from somewhere ripped it from the top. What was that for? To signify the way has been made into the holy place. There's no more wall. And that's good news. There's no more wall. There's no more, uh, there's, God is no longer keeping mankind out because of Jesus. Verse 15. He having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Jesus in his body, one of the things he did, uh, we'll look at it in a minute, but I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out. Isaiah 53, four through five, it says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Jesus, uh, anything that separated us from God, he himself took on that sin that was separating us from God and he made peace. His blood made peace. You have peace, and it's really important. And I think we look over this sometimes. You have peace with God. He's not against you. Even some people today who, who even they love God. But one of the first things the devil, when, when something bad happens, a lot of people still wonder, did God do that? Did God allow that? What caused God to do that bad thing? But see, if you really understand this, your thoughts will never go there again. Yeah, but I sinned. <laughs> yeah, but if you repent, uh, he'll forget about it. God's not looking to get us. God's not looking to keep us at arm's length. We're his family. We're his children. He loves us. And Jesus made peace. That's good news, verse 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity, the enemy status. We're no longer enemies. We're, we're good. Hallelujah. If someone turned on the air, these people are really cold now. I can feel it. Uh, uh, you better not do that. I'm good. Keep it, make them comfortable. If I need to get a pillow and, you know, go to sleep, we'll be fine. Hallelujah. Um, everybody say, Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Why? Why is he the Prince of Peace? Number one, because he's the one that made peace between us and God. Are you, are you understanding that? Let's look at Isaiah 53, 4 through 5. Amplified classic, please. Isaiah 53, 4 through 5. It says, surely he has borne our grief, sickness, weakness, and distress. Aren't you glad that Jesus took your sickness? And carried our sorrows and our pains of punishment. See, people, we used to have this thing with God is he's going to punish, he's going to punish, he's going to punish. He's looking to punish, he's looking to punish, he's looking to punish. 
but he carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as with leprosy, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities, the chastisement. When Jesus was chastised in the flesh, when they spit on him, when they pulled his beard, when they mocked him, all those things have to do with us. They happen in the natural, but they have to do with us spiritually. When they chastised him, when they, uh, when they beat him, that chastisement was needful to obtain this peace. And the well-being for us was on him. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. And so I need you to understand that we have peace with God. Jesus took all of our confusion. He took all of our drama, all of our trauma, all of our mess, and, and, and all of our feelings of enmity between us and God, or God is out to get me, should go away when you have a revelation that Jesus is your peace. Jesus is your peace. Jesus made peace because of the blood with the Father. And God's not out to get you. Hallelujah. Glory. I said God's not out to get you. Amen. And so that is one part of the peace. I don't know, I don't know which part of the shoe it is. There's two parts, but one of them is peace with God. Everybody say, I have, because of Jesus, peace with God. It's good to be at peace with God. The devil ever mess with you, say, you're not good enough. You answer back, Jesus took care of that. You're feeling down, like you don't measure up. Jesus, what is that? That's fear. What is that? That's confusion. That's the whole point. He became your peace. He's the prince of peace. He made, prince with, he made peace with you and God. So any of those false attacks that come to your mind from the devil of inferiority, of you don't belong, and there's a whole lot of that going around. The devil is really mean and nasty. And he loves to beat you down and lower your self-esteem. But you've got to answer that back. You gotta open your mouth and say, I, I, I'm accepted in the beloved. Right? I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And we know that one, but you're accepted in the beloved. You and God are okay. Now, if you're living in and practicing sin, your heart's gonna mess with you. But even that, that's your own spirit condemning you. It's not God. I don't know if you understand that, I don't got time to teach on it, but that's your own spirit. If your heart, that's you, condemns you not, you have confidence before God. God will convict you, the Holy Ghost will convict you of sin, but he's, he's not like, ar, ar, ar. your spirit's like, come on, I, I like to be in fellowship with God. Let's quit messing around with this. I like to be in one with him. I like to feel close to him. Quit that. <laughs> that's what's happening. That's, where, that's condemnation. That, uh, if, if your heart condemns you, it's not God. And, and, and one of the things that will give you a greater revelation that is just talk about it. I have peace with God. Me, me and Abba, we're good. Hallelujah. Not because of me, not because of you, but because of Jesus. Amen. And then the other part of your shoe is the peace of God, which is what we spend most of our time on. But I, and I want to remind you of these things. John 14, 27. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. Uh, King James, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So let's just stop and talk about this. What is the opposite of peace? Fear. What does the devil do morning, noon, and night? He tries to put you into some sort of fear. And fear always causes your faith not to work. Remember when Peter was walking on the water? How many know Peter was walking on the water? Remember? Jesus, he said to Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. And he said, come on out here, big boy. 
right? And then, and then Peter threw his legs over and he began to walk on the water. How many of you know that's a miracle? How many of you know Peter was in faith? <laughs> he always gets, he always gets the, uh, he, 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 uh, he sank. Uh, he walked on water with Jesus. But then he saw the wind boisterous and he became afraid. And the moment he became afraid, he began to sink. Do you remember Joshua? Well, how many of you know the first group that didn't go into the promised land, what kept them out of the promised land? It wasn't the walled cities. It wasn't the giants. It wasn't even the land that they said, eat you. That's what they said. It said the land will even eat you. It wasn't those things because the walls didn't go away for the next year, the next group. The giants didn't go away and the land didn't change. What was the issue? It was fear. That's why over and over again, before the next group went in, God told the new leader, he reminded him, don't be afraid. Fear not. It's a command. Fear not. Here, Jesus is saying, neither let it be a fr- my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. So what is your heart? That's your cardia. That's where your spirit and your soul is. And that is what you have to guard. And you and I need to make sure it is not afraid. Because when it gets afraid, it says things that it's not supposed to. I'm guilty, you're guilty. Oh, it's over. You say the wrong thing one time and it's just over. You got to start from the beginning. No, you just say, Father, I don't, I don't believe that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And this is what I believe. And then pick up and carry on. You don't need a box of Kleenexes or anything. You just pick up and carry on. Hallelujah. Oh, I said something wrong. It's all, it's, I said one thing wrong. Listen, <laughs> I'm sure you and I say more than one thing wrong. And if, um, you know, I'm grateful kind of that, uh, you know, we do believe what we say, but, uh, you know, you've you got to be careful not to get religious about it and stay righteous about it. And it's a confession of unto faith, but there's that confession of faith. And, and your mouth is an indicator of where you're at. And if fear is anywhere in your life, you need to get rid of it. How do you get rid of fear? Well, Uh, The Bible says, this is not my subject tonight, but he says his perfect love casts out fear. you got to figure out that God loves you so much that he's got you. No, really, you got to figure it out. The Bible says in 1 John, it says perfect love casts out all fear. So anytime I have fear, then I don't believe God's got me. All fear. All fear is from the devil. It can be either uh, real or really squirrely, like it can never happen. But it can be, you know, a circumstance like Peter, it brought fear because he realized being this fisherman that he was, you can't walk on water. And when he saw the, when the waves hit him in the face, because it was a storm, he wasn't walking on a crystal sea, but even that, you can't walk on water when there's no storm. He's a fisherman. He's never seen anyone walk on water. And so he began to get in his head about it, and he began to see things. And then when he saw it, he began to get in fear. That's why this weapon is so important. Because this weapon called peace will keep fear away from you. And that perfect love, come on, if someone just gets this tonight, it'd be worth combing your hair, brushing your teeth, and coming to church over If you get it that God really, really, really loves you so much that he sent you Jesus. And since he sent Jesus, he wouldn't withhold anything from you. And he really, really loves you. And he really, really got you in everything that's going on in the world and even your life. If you will trust in him and hold on to him and hold on to his word, he will get you out of any and all circumstances and all situations. And and when you get that, then that perfect love, that confidence in him and in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ will cause you, when the devil comes, you will not be afraid. And you should never do anything out of fear. Don't take medicine out of fear. 
Don't go to, uh, 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 <laughs> don't hoard uh, groceries because of fear. Don't hoard money because of fear. Don't do anything motivated by fear. There's the, a different thing is um, uh, you hear the news and the news said, you know, 2024 is going to be a bad year. Get some um, ready to eat meals, you know, and because your microwave's not going to work and, uh, you know, stock up and go get some guns and ammo and because uh, you're going to have to protect you and yours. And, and, and people have done that over the years. And what is that? That is fear motivated. But the Holy Ghost, because he did it through Agabus, the prophet, he said, there's a drought coming. And they took up an offering on the spot to send where that drought was going to be because God warned them. And they didn't, they didn't take up an offering out of fear. They took it out motivated by God. So you could be at the grocery store and the Holy Ghost say, get three or four cases of extra water, get an extra this, get an extra that. Because Robert's faith has come to pass and you're going to get a foot of snow. And... Uh, and you're going to be stuck at home, you know, or whatever that is. But that's not fear. Because even here, y'all, you know that when they announced that there could be ice, there could be snow. Why bread and milk? I have never figured out why bread and milk. You don't drink that much milk on a regular basis. I don't understand that. Anyway, but you understand the difference between being led in a circumstance and fear-based. Listen, if, if, if a doctor has ordered you to take medicine, you just throwing it away is not going to heal you. It's not. Well, so-and-so did, and it healed them because so-and-so had faith and God told them to. If you throw yours away, you're liable to have to go get some more real quick. Well, so-and-so threw their glasses away and God instantly healed them. Well, maybe God told so-and-so to do that. But as one who has experience in this matter, I'm grateful that I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> as I tried to make God heal me. And called it faith. You can't even judge where, where we're everywhere tonight. But I'm just telling you, um, I don't know how we got here, but fear. We're talking about fear. Don't do anything by fear. And if you, have, if you need to take, have natural help in something, do it by faith. Take a gospel pill with your pill. And, it, and if you don't want to do something and somebody else does, how dare you be judgmental of their faith and where they're at? You better be careful about that because judgment is merciless to those who don't show any mercy. It's true. Just think the best of everybody. Encourage people. Strengthen people. Help people. But don't allow any fear. Don't allow any fear. Oh, goodness. I feel like Dr. Fred Price right now, faith, foolishness, and presumption almost. Um, if you don't know who that is, that's, that's okay. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's like people going, they don't go to the doctor because they're afraid. They don't want to hear the report. And a lot of times people will say to me, pray that I get a good report. I'm talking about fear. I'm still talking about fear. Pray that I'll get a good report. Well, see, you're afraid of the reporter. You wouldn't ask me to pray for a, pray for a good report. A good report or a bad report is irrelevant. The word of God is relevant. <laughs> That's your report. Well, I just want you to pray that I'll get a good report. Well, what's going to happen if you don't get a good report? You're going to fall apart because you're afraid. You're afraid. You're afraid. Now, I hope that didn't make you mad, but that's too bad. I'll say it again um, because it'll help you. Asking someone to pray that you get a good report is not faith. I know you're all quiet. That's all right. You're Wednesday nighters. You can handle this. Well, what do I pray for? Well, you keep holding fast to your profession of faith uh, by the stripes of Jesus. You were healed. If you get a good report, great. But also know that that's not even where you're, that's not, you, whether you get a good report or a bad report, your faith is still in this report. And so it's irrelevant. 
And so if you go, and listen, y'all, this is so much fun right now. I'm having a lot of fun. If you go to the doctor and you actually go and somebody makes you go and the doctor says to you, she says to you, now what are your symptoms? And you say, I don't have any in Jesus' name. And she'll look at you strange and she ought to. That's not faith. If you're at a doctor's office, you tell them the facts, but it's not the truth. And you don't have to tell them. And after you get done, you'll have to say, but in Jesus' name, I'm healed. You don't have to do that. (laughs) What is that? It's really still fear-based. Why am I going through this? Well, because the Holy Ghost is making me, obviously. But don't be afraid. How do you get rid of fear? Number one, the love of God casts out all fear. Number two, you replace it with peace. Hallelujah. Peace I leave you. My peace give I unto you. Not as the world gives. What? What is their peace based on? Everything is good. The circumstances are good. Washington, D.C. is all good. Uh, Montgomery is all good. The fan, all, your, your spouse and your three children are all acting better than they've ever acted in their life. I have perfect peace. The egg prices came down. The gas prices came down. When I go to the store, everything I wanted was there. And there were coupons everywhere. And, uh, I mean, but, but so what is that? That's all circumstances. And so their peace is based on what they can see. Their peace is based on what they feel. Their, pay, their peace is based on that. Well, Pastor Mark, don't we want that? Well, listen, 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 listen. Things will definitely change out here, but you've got to start from the right place. I have peace. We need to maintain peace no matter what's going on. You can tell if you've got it during a situation where you ought to be pulling your hair out and screaming and you have peace. Not out here, but in here. And that in here will affect out here. And Jesus said, my peace. The very peace. Because you see, you don't see Jesus even when the Pharisees and Sadducees were irritating him. Even as they came to get him to take him away to the cross, you didn't see him say, give me a minute, give me five. You know, I'm going to have to have a breakdown here. Um, I'm going to have to throw a little bit of a fit, you know, or, you know, I got to scream at somebody. You never see that with Jesus. Yeah, but he's Jesus. But he said that was peace. And he said, "Um, I leave it with you. I leave it with you. Let's apprehend it. How do you apprehend it? I walk in the peace that Jesus left me. How else do you do it? Isaiah 26, 3 says, if you'll keep your mind stayed on him, on the prince of peace. Remember Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. He walked in peace. The fruit of the spirit, one of them is peace. It's all inward. And then it shows up outwardly. Have we all arrived at this? No, but do we need to get good at it? Yes, because it's a weapon. It keeps the devil away. Because if we're not good at understanding that we're supposed to be walking in perfect peace, everything can be around us crazy, but I have peace on the inside. And when I have peace on the inside, I can begin to speak some things, and then everything on the outside changes. So since I didn't get nearly as far as I thought I was going to get, I just want to skip to this next part. Well, what time is it? They'll be fine. They'll be fine. All right. Uh, Philippians 4. Let's look at Philippians 4, 6 through 9, Amplified Classic. Philippians 4. Did Jesus leave us his peace? Uh, John 16, 33 says, These things I have spoken to you that in the... In me, you might have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So that in me, you might have peace. So in Philippians 4, Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't fret or have any anxiety about what? You know, well, God, I can worry about this one. You take the big stuff. 
But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Verse 7, and God's peace shall be yours. So whenever something comes, we, we pray. This is the confidence that I have in him. If I ask anything according to his will, I know he hears me. And so I know that he hears me. And so when I pray, I believe he heard me. And therefore, I should have peace. Peace is a manifestation of faith. Uh, God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of soul assurance of salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding, and I love this part, shall garrison and mount guard. Hallelujah. So I'm not going to have any fear anxiety or worry about anything. Now listen, the reason that I, I do know a lot about this and I still have to deal with it, <laughs> obviously, sometimes we all do have some things. And you know what's other interesting as some people deal with one thing and you don't. And so don't get a little high-minded or, or think you're all that just because you don't deal with that. So I mean, they just need to get over it. Well, there is a time they need to get over it, but understand that all of us have different challenges. And what you may be really good at, somebody else may be weak at, but what they may be good at something that you're really weak at or you, you struggle with. But this is what I know, that if we'll cast all of our care, all of our anxiety in the Lord, he cares for us. Amen? And we should not worry about it. Worry is a sin. Well, what will I do if I can't worry? <laughs> Obey God, and you can meditate the word of God and speak the word of God. I, I love... Um, I've been listening to a lot of old Brother Hagen tapes. And uh, they sound funny, but it's still Brother Hagen. So most of you know uh, that's who trained us. And um, he, it was early in his ministry because uh, uh, Pastor Hagen, Ken, June, well, not Ken, Kenneth, Pastor was like five. And I think Pat, the little girl, was three. And they were on the doorstep and uh, they were going in. And uh, Miss Aretha said to him, I don't think you'd worry if me and the two children dropped dead right here. He said, I don't think you'd worry about it. He said, well, what would be the point? You'd already be gone. And she said, he said that was the wrong answer. Uh, but she got really mad. But you can train yourself not to worry. And it's been a long process for me. But if worry and fear allows the enemy in, we need to take care of it. And what's the answer? This part of the armor called peace. It's a big deal. These shoes of peace are a big deal if you're going to be able to keep the enemy under your feet. And that's interesting. Shoes, feet, peace keeps the enemy under your feet. And if you take your shoes off, take your peace off, it's going to allow the enemy and his fear to rise up. You're seated with shoes of peace far above. You're seated in victory. You're seated in peace. He's the prince of peace. He lives in you. And so when worry and fear come, and so honestly, this is a big deal. This one's a big one for me. Um, it really is. And so I have to Work at this one maybe harder than other areas. What's my cure? Keep my mind stayed on him. Speak of him. He loves me. He's got me. Perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, refuse to worry. If something, you're looking at something and it makes you worried, if it makes you afraid, get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on the word. All right, keep going. It garrisons your heart and your mind. For the rest, brethren, whether it's true, whether it's worthy of reverence, honorable and seemly, it talks about what to think on. So think on these things. And so uh, I want to skip ahead. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Um, Romans chapter 16, verse 20. And I think I want it uh, King James first. Romans 16, 20. So let's, let's, I want to do something before we go because I feel like the Lord wants me to. So this scripture used to puzzle me before I started, started studying this. Because how many know the devil is defeated now? How many know it's not future? Has Jesus already won? 
So we're talking about peace. So here, and the God of what? How many know he's the God of all peace? So many places in the word of God. It starts, he's the God of all peace. He's the God of all peace. It's the gospel of peace. Peace is a very big deal. And that's why the devil in this hour is trying to mess with your peace. That's why he loves everything drama all the time. Wherever there's drama all the time, there is no God. There's no our father. You see, uh, you see drama all the time, you're not going to find God there. I'm not talking about just anything. Anytime there's drama, how many know there's no drama in heaven? Jesus prayed a good prayer. Father, your will be done on as it is in. There's no drama there. Well, we live on the earth and there's lots of drama. Yeah, but I'm not going to allow it in me. And here, and here, and here. Amen. Praise God. And the God of all peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. So that always looked to me like in just a little while, just hang on. Shortly it's going to get done. But that can't be because it's already done. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. How many of you know there's a guy named Rick Renner coming soon? And how many of you know I really like him? I had him pray at noon prayer that I wouldn't act like a groupie when he got here. Hallelujah. Um, so... <laughs> Especially since I have to take him to lunch by myself. So pray with me that I don't act like a groupie and do something stupid. Where my Rick Renner is the best or anything like that. Um, but he's doing uh, a New Testament and he's working on it. It's called the Renner um, Interpretive Version. Is that right? So the RIV. And so I like this. And really after I read his book, um, Dress to Kill... This verse finally made sense to me. And so I'm going to do this and then we're going to go here in just a minute. It says, the God of peace will smash and completely obliterate Satan under your feet. I just like that again. Let's say it again. And the God of peace will smash, completely obliterate Satan under your feet. How many of you know that Jesus already won the victory? Ephesians 1, and even for us, Ephesians 2 says that the devil is under our feet, but it says he's completely obliterated and he's smashed. If Satan tries to get in your way or block your path, then it's time for you to act like a soldier. And so this word shortly, he explains, and I trace it back, and I do trust uh, Brother Rick, and I like this, but it says, I don't know, um, I like it to do this. Um, I marched for one year in my high school band in Paris, Illinois, and we were the state champions, and I was a terrible marcher, and uh, one, one and done, um, I couldn't do it. And so I like to play my, my instrument, but I did not like to march because I had two left feet. And so, uh, but we did this march one time that it was like a high step. So you imagine uh, this, you know, like you go watch A&M. They do high steps all the time. But let's just say we weren't made like the A&M band, all right? You understand? And so we were, we were doing this high step thing. And um, it was part of the song. And it, anyway, but, but we were like this grand champion band. And uh, when we would go march at parades, there was TV cameras and stuff. And, and they would get in the middle of the halftime and, and film you and stuff. But we were always told if anybody, and I mean anybody, gets in your way, you do not break formation. If granny gets in the crowd, you run her over. I mean, I think those were exact words. You better run them over. Do not get out of step because you'll lose a point. And, and they took pictures of who lost points, and then they openly told everybody who cost them points. Yeah, that's why I got out. And so um, <laughs> act like a soldier. Lift your feet high. Stomp and pound down hard, crushing the enemy under your feet and leaving him in a heap trampled beyond recognition, recognition as you march on. So shortly is a style of marching. It's not a time. It's how you remind the devil, I know who I am. I know who you are. You're under my feet and I'm about to step on your head one more time. 
March on. March on. Do not get out of the way. Do not slow down. Keep high stepping. Keep moving. Now you do that with the strength of God. You can't do that in your own strength. You can't do that in your own strength. You're not supposed to do anything in your own strength. You do it, weirdly enough, from your seated place. Because you're seated far above. But if the devil shows up, and he'll try to hinder you, try to throw roadblocks in your way, you just keep on marching. Now you remember this one, then we're going to go. Mark chapter 4, I promise you are, and I want to do this. Everybody stand so that I'll go. Mark chapter 4. Remember Jesus was headed over to the bad man of Gadara, and there's suddenly... And then uh, that suddenly there really just shows you that it just wasn't the weather, but there was a demonic force, I believe, that caused this storm to suddenly rise up. And remember, Jesus was asleep, and verse 38 says in Mark 5, Mark 4, Mark 4:38. I'm sorry, Mark 4:38. And he was uh, in the hinder part of the sh- uh, ship, asleep on a pillow, and they woke him and said, Master, don't you care that we perish? And he rose up, and he rebuked the wind, and he said what to it? Peace, be still. Why? Because peace is a weapon. So the storms in your life, when they come up, I speak peace to it in the name of Jesus. I speak peace to it in the name of Jesus. And this is what I had in my heart. I don't know what storms you're going through. I don't know what's going on around you. Family, children, teenagers, job, career, um, relationships, in your body. I think this is a cover them all kind of thing. But I sensed it really strong. And I believe that I have unction to deal with this. Especially things that are swirling around in someone's mind about they don't fit, they don't belong. Uh, Thoughts of, um, uh, that are just really um, crazy thoughts of, uh, the devil trying to make you think something about you and that everybody's saying this or doing this or uh, just thoughts of giving up, thoughts of, uh, um, you know, and the, even someone, the Lord has assured you it's going to work out, but the thoughts, the devil's just relentless in his attack on your mind. I believe if you'll yield right now, as I speak by the unction and by the authority of God, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, you've got to mix your faith with it and receive it. But uh, just like this natural storm that was caused by, I sense, seeing the word, it was because it rose up suddenly. There was no reason for it. A demonic attack. I believe that that demonic attack and assignment that's coming to your mind and to your life or to your family, uh, it has to go. So I'm going to simply do what Jesus did. Because the same Holy Ghost that was behind his words, it is the word. Jesus did it. The Holy Ghost instructs me to do it. And lift up your hands right now, especially uh, I want you to receive it. I don't want this just to be something we do. I want you to receive it. In the name of Jesus, peace. Peace. I command the storms and your life, and especially your mind, to be at peace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now lift up the other hand or lift up both hands. I just want us to thank God. And I just want you to do it like this. Lord, I thank you for your peace. I keep my mind stayed on you. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. I receive that peace into my life. I receive that. I receive that peace into my mind. I receive that peace that garrisons my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Garrisoned. 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 A garrison, a guard around your heart and your mind. Everything is going to be all right as you focus on the Prince of Peace. I speak peace into your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost just reminded me of when Paul was in the belly of the ship after he had warned them that it was going to be a, a, ship, a journey that was going to be with much danger. The Lord came and spoke to him. You say, well, I wish the Lord would come to speak to me. He just did. He just did. That's one of the things he's dealing with me about this year is us as a church esteeming utterances, esteeming them. He just did. Sometimes you might have so many that you don't esteem them like you should. And if you don't esteem them, they'll stop. He just spoke to you. And remember what Paul did. He heard from God. So he marched up to the top of the ship. And he just said, what? Everything's going to be all right because I've heard from God. Everything's going to be, and what do you tell them? Y'all eat some food. Y'all eat some food. Everything's going to be all right. I like that. Everybody just eat some food. Everything's going to be all right. Cheer up. Cheer up. I've heard from God. Cheer up. I've heard from God. Cheer up. I've heard from God. Everything's going to be all right. Amen. So you just go speak in peace to it. Come on. If it shows up uglier tomorrow, peace to you. Peace be still. Your mind starts wondering. Nope, nope. I keep my mind stayed on you. And you keep me in perfect peace. I cast that anxiety. I cast that care on you. And you know what? If you mess up. Like I've messed up before. You know what? You just don't keep going down that road. You stop and say, Lord, I'm sorry about that, but I'm going to cast that back up on you. How do you know if he's got it? Because that means you don't got it. And you're not worried about it anymore. Amen? 